You're listening to Empowered Parenting, real parents, real stories. Tune in to help you and your children build resilience. Let's get connected. Welcome to Empowered Parenting, real parents, real stories. We are so excited about our episode for today. We have a very special guest and mom. Her name is Lisa Sunshine, and she is from Sunshine and Broccoli. They are very exceptionally talented children's performers. And I have to say that as uh, the director of a preschool, I had the privilege of having her do a virtual concert for us a few weeks ago, and they are so, so, so talented and joyful. But Lisa is here in a different capacity today. She's here as a mom and as a woman um, and as a very and very willing to be so open and genuine and vulnerable and raw with us. We are talking about fragility and how that impacts us as humans and as parents and how it can hold us down and build us up and empower us as parents. It's a really raw topic. And we're very grateful that Lisa is willing to be so open with us. Lisa is a mom of a 60-month-old little boy. And so let's get right into this. And Cindy says this in the first few seconds. Get your Kleenexes ready for this. So let's get into Lisa. Lisa, I'm so glad that you can join us today. And I don't know, I feel like I should tell everybody, like maybe have a tissue box on hand because I feel like this has potential to be a bit of a heavy a heavy episode because we're going to talk about this notion of when we as parents feel a bit fragile um, and I just want to make sure that I clarify fragile is not broken fragile is thin and we're gonna you know I'll just briefly say I couldn't even possibly list all the things that could make someone feel that way you know, there are really big issues like like bereavement and loss and divorce and separation and illness in a family and ill child, a special needs child, a pandemic, uh, a mental health issue, conflict. I, I, there's so many. The list can go on and on. So, Lisa, I'm going to jump right in to this conversation with you. And I'm wondering if you can share with us a little bit you know, if you've ever had moments or experiences of feeling, we're going to start with just fragile as a human being. We'll get into fragile as a parent in a second. First of all, it's so incredibly amazing to be with you ladies and chatting. So um, I definitely can say that in my life as a whole, I've had many fragile moments. Um, and the beauty of being a person who works through them. I didn't always think it was a beauty, to be honest. I was like, why do I have to constantly work through this stuff? But working through very challenging moments um, allows me to see the beauty in the really amazing moments in life. So in my life, yes, I have worked through many challenges and the biggest and deepest challenge I will ever um, have is that I lost my father in December. And my father was my best friend and he was my person. And truly the deepest pain I have ever felt on this earth. 
I could like feel it. Like my own eyes are welling up just listening yeah. to you and feeling your your tenderness and your sadness and and your love at the same time. Okay, keep going. I won't interrupt you again. No, it's it's um it's 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 um it's deep. It's a really deep pain and um and we don't have a choice about it, right? So I am walking through it now and the stages of grief are are really what they are the stages of grief you know the incredible deep pain the disbelief the incredible sadness the incredible loss um, moving into finding more of a spiritual connection having days that you know as, as a new mom I have to get up every day. I have to wake up and show up. And I say this, you know, my son wakes me up and my husband holds me up. And during the day, I'm usually walking through our world. And then when we put him to bed is when I feel the most fragile. I bet. I bet. And when you, when you say, you know, during the day, I walk through my world and then I feel the most fragile at nighttime. I mean, I have to imagine that for like most of us, nighttime can often be like our rawest time it's dark it's quiet we're with our own selves and our own thoughts when you're during the day kind of walking through and and as you say like you just need to show up with your son it's not really an option is that hard is it hard to to kind of stand up and be the mom that you want to be while also having this in the background of your soul of your emotional body I think what's so interesting is when I first lost my father, I didn't have a choice. I had to get up. I had to show up. And I also had to be really freaking sad. And I think that, I mean, my son's 16 months. So um, when I lost my dad, he was actually, he just turned a year. And to see, I just had to be where I was at. And I think that is the most challenging part is that um, there was a lot of sadness, but there was also a lot of joy when I was with my son. So um, we look at pictures and videos every morning of my dad. And that brought me a lot of sadness. Um, I feel like my son's been robbed. I feel like everyone's been robbed. Um, and then as I worked through and we're going on a few months um it's gotten a little bit lighter I see a little bit more light but it is you know at the beginning it was such deep pain and we were talking about the evenings like I would be debilitated with fear I felt like a little child I felt like a scared little girl and then I'm a mom to a little boy so I have to show up the way that this scared little girl needed someone to show up for her. So Cindy, there's one, there's so much in there that was just so gripping to listen to, but there was a line in there that she said that sort of, for me, symbolizes everything about fragility and being a human and being a mom. When she said that line, my husband holds me up and my son wakes me up or gets me up. I think that's what she said. And honestly, it's so 
it just like you can you can picture it because as a parent when you are feeling fragile when you're feeling like terrified inside or completely thin or so fragile about what's going on that you don't even know how you can function and then this idea of having to parent on top of it and and her having you know, I, and she's so, so, so lucky to have a husband that, that holds her up. Um, but it's this concept of whether it's a partner or a friend or a spouse or a parent, something in your life that's going to hold you up so that you can allow your child to get you up, that you can allow your child to, to bring you joy is so, it just resonated so much with me because I think that I don't know. I think I feel like that a lot. And it, it's to hear other parents say it felt, um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're putting it out here in this space right now, because I think it's important to talk about it. And Elisa, like to the point that you just made, you know, one of the things that Lisa kind of identified is that she herself, now she might say, well, she had no choice. She had to have these feelings because her grief has been so overwhelming. But I'm gonna, what I'm gonna put forward is when, when, a, when a person feels fragile for whatever reason that might be, and, and fragility really is a subjective experience. There's no judgment about like when one is allowed to be fragile, fragile and when one is not. It doesn't matter. It's whatever triggers that sense of fragility that sometimes a parent can feel that they don't have permission to actually dabble in those feelings. They are so expected to be on, be up all the time. And I think what Lisa captures so beautifully is that while she felt for sure that she had to show up at the time when her father passed away, her son was just one. But while she was able to show up and stand up, it sounds to me like she gave herself also lots of time to cry and, and be in so much pain and to actually have those feelings. And I think that that's so hard for a parent to juggle is being on while feeling off. Um, and the idea of as human beings, we sometimes are going to be both of those things. And sometimes we might, we might not even be able to show up sometimes. And, and that also is okay. I mean, I, I suppose within reason a little bit, but, but that's called being human. And so yeah. there are certain experiences that we can have that make, us can feel, that make us feel fragile that are insurmountable in the moment. And so the only choice is to be in that feeling. Right. And listen, like losing a parent is, you know, I, I, I can't, I can't, I cannot relate to that. I've had um, some very real scares with my mom in recent years where I can access that feeling of worrying about losing her. But um, I've had friends um, lose parents and I've watched my parents lose their parents. And I think that there's, there's nothing like that. But again, I, I, what I think you're right, like we all have different reasons for free, feeling fragile and particularly in this pandemic, there's so many reasons why people have to feel fragile, like losing work or not being able to work or financial reasons or, 
people, you know, family being sick or just general. And, and I love how you talk about feeling thin with her because I was talking about this with friends this week, some who are single parents and this idea that you can feel so thin and so fragile that you literally feel like every emotion that comes to you, like enters your bloodstream and you and the more thin and fragile you feel, the more impacted you are. So like little things just have such big reactions and you feel, and make you feel almost shaky, like, and totally untethered. And it's such a, and then to be able to parent with confidence around that is, it, it it's re- it's really hard. It's really, 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 really hard. Um, it definitely is. And, you know, how interesting that Lisa herself um, described that she felt like a child, so scared and so bereft. And, and maybe, in fact, what she was feeling to some degree was exactly what you were just describing, feeling everything because she was you know, in, she has been in such a state of grief that everything is so intense. And so how interesting that she uses it as a comparison to being like a child, because, I mean, I don't want to like go off on this tangent, but that is often how children experience their world. You know, they don't have some of the perspectives that we might have. And so every feelings are so raw. And when kids are raw, the way they need their parents and tenderness and understanding. And so what an interesting concept to think that sometimes a parent, a human is going to feel the exact same way. Yeah. And I think it's interesting also how we deal with our fragility, like how we reach out, you know, I have such a, such a good relationship with my husband and I'm so very lucky and he does truly hold me up. But what's interesting is that like, I don't, when I'm feeling so fragile, I still like, I don't necessarily always go to anybody. It's like you get paralyzed in your fragility. I have an amazing husband. I have my mom. I have my sisters. I have so many. And sometimes I don't even, my brain doesn't even think to send me to them. Right. That's how fragile you feel. And so, and I'm so blessed and so lucky to have that. And so if you don't have that, or even if you get paralyzed in it, and then your kids show up in front of you and you have to, like what she says, like you have to be there for them. It's, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. Um, It's so hard. It's so hard. And so let's, let's continue on and let's hear more about kind of Lisa's journey through this experience of being fragile, you know, with regards to the passing of her dad. Is it ever hard to show up for your son without your own tears streaming down your face? Absolutely. A hundred percent. And so how do you manage that? I think through this whole thing, I mean, for many years, I've been called to show up very honestly. I think the majority of my life, um, I costumed up. I had a therapist say that to me once. You're always costumed up. And I never understood, well, I like hair and I like makeup and I like getting dressed and I like all these things. So who cares? Like, that's part of me. And I finally understood what she meant. Um, To the world, I would show up like, like I was from the Brady Bunch. Like I was like ready to rock and roll. And some days I really, really was. And I think I'm really called to show up really honestly now. 
in a very different way. So I understand what that means now of not costuming up. And my biggest fear, I mean, we're in a pandemic and I didn't have the proper rituals that, you know, we would normally have when someone passes away. And I was bombarded in the most beautiful way with like so much love and phone calls and emails and people wanting to like be here for me. But it was also so hard for me because I couldn't believe I was one of those people. Like I joined this club now, you know, like, are you really talking about me? Like I lost somebody, like I lost my dad. So I had to show up where I was and where I was was I couldn't really talk to anybody for the beginning. I couldn't really be anywhere that I wasn't. So the very few people who are in my very inner circle um, held me up, but also totally respected the fact that I just maybe wasn't there to be able to chat. So let's tie it back to my son. Um, I cried a lot. I cried a lot. And I would put on music and just cry. And what can you do? This is part of pain and grieving and being fragile and showing up the way you are. I really want my son to know that he can show up any way he needs to show up. And no matter what, he will be loved so deeply with where he's at. Lisa, like, first of all, your, your passion, your pain, your love, it's so palpable. And so like, I literally can feel you through this screen. Um, you know, and it's interesting what you, you say, I have a few comments to make, you know, interestingly, when you talk about costuming up a couple of episodes, um, we talked about this idea of how we often wear a mask of competency that we want to look apart and present a certain way. But when do we get to take that mask off and just be our authentic self? However, however wounded, fragile, it doesn't matter, just be who we are. And I think it's a very scary place for a lot of people to jump into, but add in this element of how can I be a vulnerable parent? is a whole other ballgame because I think very often we have this idea of we have to present a certain way for our children. And sometimes we're kind of deluded to think that we should always look strong for our children. Our children shouldn't see us cry. They shouldn't see our emotional selves. Interestingly enough, sometimes we're not so worried about showing them our angry side, our yelling side, but our vulnerable side. It's like we feel we need to protect them as opposed to certainly within reason, letting them get exposed to that, to that truth, to that reality. You know, all kids fundamentally believe their parents are human. And so- But what I, what I, I, I hear from that, and I, and I so get this, my dad um, took care of everything. He always made us feel heard, taken care of, safe, and I never saw him cry. And, I was always the one who was bawling. Like he'd pick me up. Like I remember when I didn't drive and I'd be bawling. Like I was always the, the more emotional one. And my dad, um, my dad had dementia for the last three years of his life. And the roles completely re reversed. 
He cried all the time. He was like, I had to be more strong. And sometimes, you know, because he lost his voice, he knew who everyone was right till the end, thank God. But he lost his voice. And how he showed um, his joy or sadness was crying. So we'd often, um, I would sing to him all the time and he would just cry and cry and I would cry and showing up that way was so hard to see a man who was so freaking strong and, and carried the caboose and made sure that everything was a-okay. And honestly, like, I just feel like God was preparing me to be a mom, like having to care for him that way and nurture him. I remember when I brought my son home and my dad held him and my dad was bawling, which he never did um, before he got ill. And I was just like, it's okay to cry. And we all cried. And so I think, yeah, it's, this is, um, it's almost like, you know, in, in a weird kind of way, your dad gave you permission. Your dad, I bet knew that you were going to be such a strong parent. Yeah. I mean, no one has to talk to you for too long to know, oh my God, whatever kid is lucky enough to get you as a mom is so lucky. And so I don't know how hard that part was ever going to be for you. But your dad gave you permission in his last few years to teach you about be vulnerable too. It's okay. It's okay. You know, strength and vulnerability are not opposites. Mm. They're synonyms. They all fall under the same category. What's really interesting about that is back to really feeling like I'm called to show up honestly. And it's so vulnerable. You know, it's so exposing like you know it's it's really exposing but I really feel like this is what the world needs and I feel like I have so much to say and I've been through many experiences as we all have and I think showing up honestly allows other people to feel like oh my god I'm not alone and that to me is um, my mission in raising children, because parents, I mean, we're all in this together. And if we can come from a place of honesty, as opposed to, well, my kid's this, well, my kid's that, like comparing and all the um, stuff attached to being a perfect mom, um, I really feel like we connect on a very different level if we can just show up. 100%. I mean, the power, the power of validation that one feels through connection and connecting through similar stories and sharing that vulnerability is probably, I mean, that is the essence of what connects human beings to each other. It's their, actually their authentic self, the more relatable parts of themselves. You know, the mask that we all wear Sure, there's like some places to connect on that, but that's not like the juicy, juicy, deep, profound connections that probably feed a lot of our souls. So Lisa, can I, I'm gonna ask you another question. You know, you are, you are so fresh in your journey of grief. I mean, you're, you're barely a foot into it. 
you know, in all the anniversaries that come up and all the moments that I, I mean, I can't imagine a moment or a day that goes by where this isn't sitting for you. You said you're starting to feel and see the light. Where do you kind of look forward and where do you channel the grief? Grief never goes away. Like grief is, is one of those life moments that doesn't actually have an ending. Uh, it, it, it gets soothed a little bit. It heals to some degree, but it doesn't end ever. So that part of your story will never end, but it will get lighter. And so what are you going to do with it? Like, what are you going to do with it going forward? How are you going to bring it into your son's life? How are you going to use it for your own life? Uh, that's a great question. Um... I think the stages of grief are so important to deal with it head on. And I had a girlfriend who lost her father nine years ago and said to me, I'm going to make you do everything I didn't do. And one of them was seeing a grief therapist. Um, one of them is finding a community. And when I tell you, I have found women who have lost, whether it's a mom or a dad, um, who understand the process so deeply. Um, so one, getting the support, I think has helped me tremendously. Um, I think I've really turned to spirituality. I've always been very spiritual, um, but now it is most definitely to a different level. I talk to my dad all day long I asked for guidance and when I asked for guidance, this is a wild story, but there was something I needed answers to. And I take my son to the cemetery almost every weekend. And I said, dad, I need, I need you to show me, like, I need you to make this very clear for me. And I said to him, I need you to send me a butterfly. And I was walking with a girlfriend in the forest and I saw a butterfly go right in front of my face. And I'm like, oh my God. And this butterfly flew and landed on my shoulder, I kid you not, for three seconds, and then landed on my, my dog's head for three seconds. And I was bawling hysterically, but I truly, truly believe that my only choice to get through this deep pain is to move to, to a spiritual connection, which I do find. So I do find that it has been a little bit lighter. And another thing is um, I'm a singer and my dad loved when I sang and he took such pride in it. And I, when I do sing, um, I feel him and I feel his light. And I think that, that I have to do a lot more of that. Um, and I also feel like I need to show up in these kind of spaces um, to inspire because that's really what he would want for me. Lisa, several episodes ago, we quoted Elisa's mom and Elisa's mom had once said to Elisa um, in a mother-daughter exchange, you know, Elisa, you can't go around it. You have to go through it. And you, Lisa, that's what you just described. You can't get around the grief. So you use the support of friends, you use your spirituality, you use your grief therapist, you use your present moments, you use your singing, you use your, your son and visiting your dad at the cemetery. 
you use all these things not to escape, not to get around it, but to help you along the way and support you and be in your feelings. And that's what it means to go through it, not around it. And Lisa, like anyone who's listening is going to be so moved by your story, so moved by your honesty to be vulnerable and be able to articulate this vulnerability. And I certainly hope that can also feel your optimism that there are things and places and words and music and songs and things that are soothing, that are helpful. And it sounds like you have immersed yourself in that, which is so beautiful and full and weirdly like grief feels dark, but I see all these pockets of rainbow lights all around you. Um, Lisa, it has been so lovely to have you on. I've had like goosebumps almost this entire time. Uh, thank you for your honesty, for your beautiful story. Your dad is for sure listening and he is just like yet again feeling so proud and, and so honored to have you uh, telling his story. Thank you so much for being here. It was such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Cindy, I love everything about that clip with Lisa, everything about it. And I particularly love how you both got to the end of, like, I love how she talks about um, what it looked like for her to feel, to be so fragile. And then I love how you got to the point where you talked about the things that helped her manage her fragility, because I think that's so important. And, you know, at the start of this pandemic, um, I went through my own personal crisis. And again, um, I did not lose um, a parent or somebody, and um, I don't want to compare it to that. But I think we all have our own stories, and I hope that they're each helpful. Um, and when I, when I first went through this crisis, I had to communicate with my kids, and I had to show them through tears um, and real raw emotions um, what was going on with us. And then I had to figure out how to parent, um, go through the crisis, be true to myself, um, and do all the things that Lisa was talking about. And I'll never forget the look on particularly Ben's face. I think Noah was too little to comprehend what I was telling him, but on Ben's face, he looked scared and he looked upset to see me so fragile, but it was important for him to understand what was happening in our lives. And then I had to, you know, that was that day. And then from that day on, we had to, you know, we, we, I had to, to, to not put it away, but I had to figure out how to live through it, be good to myself, be honest with him and also be normal for him. And so I had to figure out ways to do that in similar ways that Lisa talked about. And so that would look like leaving the house when I couldn't be who my kids deserve to have. So going for walks um, and falling apart outside of the house. Um, it meant therapy as well. Really, honestly, I'm very proud of the therapy that I receive and very happy to talk about it. And it meant having conversations with my kids when I was feeling regulated and somewhat strong and 
you know, moments of optimism where I would be honest with them and, you know, like an even keeled voice without tears. So I wouldn't try and pump them up and like lie to them, but I would be able to just have like genuine conversations where they knew that their mom was being honest, but that she was pushing through it and that she was handling it. And so, no, it wasn't rainbows and butterflies, but it wasn't like this disaster of a person. And I guess going through the process of all of that helped me feel like I wasn't putting on a show, um, but that I was also being as fragile as I needed to be and not being dishonest. Cause I don't, I don't want my kids to see somebody who's fake and like has her stuff together all the time. I don't want my parents to think their mom is a basket case <laughs> or didn't want them to think there's their mom was a basket case. I'm in a much better place now. Um, so I think when I, when I reflect back on it, I think that that's how I managed the fragility. And I, I just had to not parent when I was feeling completely terrified, but I would have to give myself, there was a timer, like you have this amount of time. And when you come back, when you walk in the door, time's up lady. So get your together. I think Elisa, it's honestly, message. like for anybody who's listening, the process that Elisa and I go to when we put these episodes together, we always come up with a theme and, and dig right into it. And then we title it at the end because we figured like, let's just get all the juice and meet these parents and hear the story and then come up with the title. I actually think you just titled this episode and it would be something like doing fragility in a balanced way because that's what you just described so eloquently. It's this idea of and whatever crisis you went through, and, and after hearing Lisa's story, what you both are identifying is the authenticity and genuineness of your fragility, of your feelings, of allowing yourself and giving yourself permission to feel them, of allowing yourself and giving permission to also not have to, as Lisa says, costume up, to be able to expose some of that to your kids. However, to also be mindful of taking care of yourself of doing what you need to do as a grown woman to put in place to help you heal, however long that would take. And to know that as much as, of course, it's okay to expose some of this to kids, some of that also has to be on a timer. Exactly, I love how you put that out there. Because obviously our, our kids, no matter how old they are, would they don't need to see us as robots, but they also would have a very hard time seeing us paralyzed 24 seven day after day after day after day, that would be too hard for them. And so everything you just articulated is balance. And what a weird thing, because when we're feeling fragile, we don't feel balanced, but mm -hmm. striving to find balance actually becomes very healing. Yeah. And I think that it's, you know, I think particularly in this pandemic, like that, what I was describing was a year ago, right? So I, this concept of, of going for a walk in the middle of the day and not having work to go to and all those things was you know, a year into it, I think it's harder. Um, I personally am finding it harder to when I am feeling fragile now, because I think we're, there's no human, particularly those of us who are trying to parent in, in Ontario right now, that's feeling, not feeling fragile during our days. So I think it is harder. And so if you need to give yourself more timers <laughs> more frequently, um, that's okay too. Like I lost it on Ben yesterday when he asked me if he, I could turn down my Peloton while he was playing PS4, I screamed at him um, that this was my time. And, you know, like we're all going through those feelings, but I think if you can walk away 
um, with this idea of, of balance, um, but it's okay if you can't do it perfectly. And I think it's a really nice segue into um, what we're talking about next week, which is this idea of empowerment. So, you know, we talked about fragility today, but how we move ourselves from a, a place of um, whether it's crisis or difficulty in parenting or whatever it is into a place of empowerment and how then that empowers us as parents. Um, so I'm actually really looking forward to talking about that because it's hopeful. Um, it's hopeful. It's a segue from this into hope. And, and so I'll, we're looking forward um, to you joining us next week um, when we have a new guest on and she's going to bring us a lots of feelings of hope, which I think we all need right now. So thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you next week.